We want to take a moment to welcome our video audience and thank you for following us so loyally. My name is Sherwin. I'm the pastor here at Lake and Bethel. Well, happy Thanksgiving to everybody, even though it was a few days ago. Seems like a lot longer ago than that. You all have all your leftovers eaten already? Now, I was informed I'm going to have turkey and wild rice soup for lunch today. So that's always a good thing. Uh, I never have to cook on Sundays. Diane feels sorry for me on that day, I guess. I don't know. But it's, it's a good thing. Um, Thanksgiving Day, of course, is a day that we set aside for giving thanks. I think it would be good for us to give thanks every day, but that is just not the case. As I've told you before, I, my personal spiritual struggle is that I think that by nature I'm an angry pessimist, and I don't want to be an angry pessimist. I want to be a grateful optimist, but that's just not the case. I'm working on it, but I have not arrived. Now, the angry pessimist is, like I said, it's kind of like my nature. I think of, uh, along the lines of Murphy's Law, you know, if something can go wrong, it will. If my lawn tractor can break down, it's going to break down. If th things go wrong, if it's possible for something to go wrong, it does. And so then I think about things that are going to go wrong, and it seems like I attract them to myself. It's kind of a scary thing. I do business with somebody and I just say, oh, I know they're going to try and rip me off. And sometimes they do. Or I know that thing is going to break down. And sometimes it does. Last Sunday, I had a little hissy fit right here because I couldn't find the remote for my phone. I still haven't found it. I had this cool little button that was turning it off and on and I, I can't find the thing. And then getting the microphones to work for it and all that. And we have to have two video sources because usually one of them fails. Usually it's mine that fails, but it's good to have a backup. So I got angry about that, complained to myself. And I thought, you know, I feel kind of like I'm slapping God in the face here. Because he's blessed me so much, and yet I'm not always grateful for what he's given me. And I've got it pretty good. You know, I ask myself, well, why do I whine all the time about a few details that are going bad? And I act like a spoiled brat. But, you know, an angry pessimist, the Reformed Church spent quite a bit of money allowing me to do this post-grad course on coaching. It's mostly for marriage uh, coaching to help people out. And I've used it on several people. But what's so interesting in there is they asked us one day, what causes divorce? And everybody had a different answer. You know, the classics, adultery, uh, finance, in-laws, things like that. And the guy leading the class said, well, you're all wrong. Is what causes divorce is unmet expectations. And I thought, well, how profound can that be? Uh, First, I thought, ah. But after you think about it a while, it's true. And the same thing can be said about anger, about being an angry pessimist. What makes me angry is unmet expectations. I expect you to drive decently, or I expect you to behave a certain way, and you don't. That causes anger, or at least my response to it causes the anger. 
Now, the grateful optimist is just the opposite, you know? Realizes this is an imperfect world, but it's really the only world where you can get a good steak. And, you know, I know for a fact that God sends his angels to protect me. I have no problem at all believing in angels. And Jesus said, you know, this life, you're protected. And in the next life, he said, just before he returned to heaven, look, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And it'll be a good place, better than anything I can imagine. So why can I not be a grateful optimist? Well, I can, if I choose to. But you know, in this life, there are several factors that kind of keep us complaining, keep us unhappy. It's kind of like one of the factors is the way we were raised. I saw something just a couple weeks ago that was quite intriguing. A mom with a five-year-old, little five-year-old girl, and she was playing around and doing some things. And she goes, Mommy, I'm so cold. And what does her mom do? Immediately comes and gives her, wraps her up in a blanket and gives her a big hug. I thought to myself, that child's going to be complaining about being cold the rest of her life. She knows she gets a blanket and a hug when she does it. She's rewarded for whining. And unfortunately, the marketplace tries to keep us unhappy too. You know, it seems like some marketers, I have a, a niece who works for Amazon, and she has a PhD in marketing. And she tells me all these different techniques that are taken. You know, it's like they need to convince you that you're unhappy so, so that you'll buy their product. That's pretty much any product. As I was putting this together, I put on ABC on the television in my office, and I never watch ABC. My dad had an understanding of what ABC stood for. You know, it stands for American Broadcasting Company, but he called it Always Bull. You just add the rest. But I, I never listened to that thing. But I did one day last week until the first ad came on. And this was the first ad. Something called Sodicus or something. But as I was watching it, this, this principle was clear. They wanted to make you feel like you needed to take their drug and look how happy you are if you take their drug. See that gal's smiling face? She wouldn't be that happy if she didn't take whatever that stuff is or whatever it's for. And, of course, uh, those kind of ads, the medical ads, have always irritated me ever since I found out that the big pharmacy companies spend $4 on promotion to every $1 they spend on research and development. So that kind of irritated me. But look at how happy she is there. Isn't that nice how happy she is taking those drugs? I prefer a more real kind of happiness, like a beagle who says, Rejoice in the Lord always. But you know, we have this default understanding of life that things are supposed to go well for us. And when they don't, we complain. And, well, when we complain, we're really telling God that we're not happy with how he's running the universe. And he knows that. Instead, we have a chance to thank him for everything that's going right. And he knows that, too. See, the influences that come away, well, our nature, 
which is influenced by the devil, wants us to despise God's gifts. It's a spiritual thing. The devil would like us to think that God is not good to us. And he quite often succeeds. So there's a passage I want us to look at today. It's from Philippians chapter 4. It talks about this, this very thing. And it's one that I try to use in here once a year, but it's been a year and a half since I've used it. But it's a great passage. It's one that I think I should read once a week. But it's from Philippians 4, and this is what it looks like. It says this, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. In the original Greek, that's in a command form. It's a commandment, which means it's a choice. We are not predestined to be a pessimist or an optimist. If you think you're predestined for that, forget it. You're not. You're not predestined to be sad or joyful. You can choose. So why would we not choose joy? Now Paul goes on with this. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. This is very simple. One of my wife's mantras is be nice. Let everyone see that you're considerate in all that you do. Don't be a grumpy old man. Even if you've earned the right to be a grumpy old man, don't do it. It's not good for you. And it insults God. Then Paul goes on with this. And he says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. It's amazing when you pray about everything, what happens. I was putting this together, finishing it up last Monday. And my prayer was, I need some help. What do you want me to say? And all of a sudden, it pops into my head right there. So then I say, well, thanks for sending that. And it's weird, but that's, uh, again, I don't want to sound overly pious, but that really does work. It works for anything and everything. Nothing is too small. But when we pray about everything, remember that God has sovereign freedom. He has free will, too, and he can say no. But anything that you need... You can pray about road safety on the roads this morning, anything. And then tell him thanks when he gives it to you. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. See, it's just a fact. The more you pray, the more your anxiety level drops. Your eyes open to what God is doing in your life, and you start seeing things you haven't seen before. Little miracles happening right in front of you that you haven't noticed. Just like when you complain all the time. You know, my mom used to say, well, if you're going to bellyache all day, I'm going to give you something to bellyache about. And maybe, it weren't, that's, a, maybe that's not that weird a principle, you know? When you complain all the time, you find more to complain about. And it works the same way with prayer and gratitude. The more thankful you are, 
the more you'll have to be thankful about. So Paul goes on with this. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So he's saying, you know, if you think about good things, good things just show up. Just like if you think about bad things, bad things show up. Now, it's my nature to be what the Dutch word is, brompot, which, you know, I, did I say that before in the service? I said it in the first, did I say it earlier? Okay, that was in the first service. I get confused. I'm old. You know, what can I say? But brom in Dutch basically means to growl. And pot just means pot. You know, like a, the Dutch word for motorcycle is bromfiets, which is growling wheels or uh, different things like that. It's just kind of a, a thing. I see myself as a brompot all the time. Um, my son's girlfriend has a border collie, and that border collie will come up to you and wag every inch of his body if you give it a treat, but then you try to pet it, and it growls at you. So I call it my brom puppy. But it's, it's kind of how we look at things. Now, when, when I moved to Michigan, I discovered something I hadn't discovered anywhere else, uh, any of the other places I've lived, which is you know, three other states, but and that is that if something's going well, you say you can't talk about it because then you'll jinx it and it won't go well anymore. Some of you are smiling, so you know what I'm talking about here. I used to live in Jinx, Oklahoma. I thought that you know was a location. But I don't think you can jinx things, okay? Now, I'm going to tell you this as your pastor with several advanced degrees that jinxing things is malarkey, all right? It's absolutely not true. You don't have that much power. Instead, fix your, fix your thoughts on what's good, and it draws good things to you. It's one of God's laws of the universe. Paul closes this passage down by saying this, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. So put this into practice, and good things happen. And you will be aware that God is with you. I've got this four-year-old granddaughter, and I really enjoy spoiling her. She was up here for Thanksgiving, and I took her to Wesco, and I said, you know, and for a Hollander, you'll realize how difficult this is. I said, go ahead, get whatever you want. Boy, she was on a field day, you know, she gets these slushies, these things that look like what you scrape off the bottom of your car in the wintertime, you know, and uh, she, uh, we were at the Wesco in North Muskegon, and they have backpacks in the shape of unicorns, and she's really into unicorns, purple unicorns. Well, I didn't even look at the price, I just said, here, I want this, and I, get, I got it for her, and boy, she was happy, you know, she's going all over the place because she had a purple, what did she call it, a purple unicorn stuffy, which, you know, whatever that is. But anyway, she liked it. 
and uh, it's a good thing she doesn't ask me for my house because I'd probably give that to her too. It's, you know, that's just kind of how it is. But she has a tradition. My daughter started a tradition of gratitude rocks where you put your something, you write something on a little rock that you're grateful for and you put it in a bowl and you watch that bowl fill up with things that you're grateful for. She gave me a, a rock with her name on it, which her mother wrote, of course, but it's kind of cool. I keep it in my inbox on my desk and every time I see it, I think, well, I'm grateful for Paige. You know, it's, it's just a good thing. And I'm thinking I should start a gratitude bowl myself. I have in my pocket this coin that Paula gave me. She got it at the I-80 truck stop, world's largest truck stop, just across the border into Iowa, just across the Mississippi, about a five-hour drive from here. You, you know, well worth it to get a coin. But um, it says on this coin, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Now you can buy these online for two and a half bucks a piece. But it's, I keep it in my pocket. And it reminds me all the time of what I've got to be grateful for. Thanksgiving is about gratitude for what God has done for the year. I think we should make it a daily thing. Uh, while I had ABC on this week, I saw this. The president pardoning a turkey. And I thought, well, what a silly tradition. I heard of this a few presidents ago that uh, that turkey gets pardoned and he gets to live out his days in a petting zoo. Very silly tradition. And I thought, I wonder how many taxpayer dollars that costs. I bet it costs more for that silly antic than what a lot of people have to live on for a year. But it's a tradition that we have that's been going on for a long time. You and I have been pardoned for far more than that turkey. We've been pardoned for everything. So let's start our thanks on that. Start thanking God for what he's pardoned us for. And then think about our health. Think about the fact that we have a warm house to go to. We've got family. We've got friends. We've got food in the freezer and clothes in the closet. And we have the ability to make the community better. As I said last week, we have the ability to bless the Lord. Uh, Turkey Day, Thanksgiving Day, has been observed since the early days of this country. This is a painting of what it, they thought it looked like. But there was a time of fasting and feasting with the early settlers, with the Native Americans. And uh, it kind of became a tradition enshrined when Lincoln was president. And uh, I saw this quote of Abraham Lincoln this week. It says, Thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens, calling on the American people to also with humble penitence for our national perverseness and disobedience. Fervently implore the interposition of the Almighty Hand to heal the wounds of the nation. I thought, wow be interesting to hear a president talk like that these days. But we don't have that. Um, but look what he said. Penitence and healing. We needed to repent as a nation back in the 1860s. This was 1863. 
That's a significant action. And I think we should do that and start every day with the giving of thanks. And you will have a better day. You will be able to say, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. One of the benefits or disadvantages of a classical education is you have to read some authors that you just can't stand. And I'm sorry, folks, but Henry David Thoreau is one guy I could not stand. I had to read Walden and, you know, all those classics. And, uh, one of his quotes, Henry David Thoreau's biggest quote, most popular quote, is the saying that the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. Let's not do that. We know Jesus. Let's focus on the good, as Paul says, and let's live a life of quiet thanksgiving instead of a life of quiet desperation. In the back of your bulletins, there's a blank list from 1 to 10. And I'd encourage you to list 10 things for which you are thankful. And then pray a prayer of thanks every day for those things. That list will grow. And so will your soul right along with it. Let's pray together. Lord, in the attitude of Abraham Lincoln, we come to you repenting of our ingratitude, repenting of our functions as ungrateful pessimists, is we realize you have given us everything. The, the life that we have in our bodies right now is a gift from you. Today is a gift from you. Everything is. And then you promise us an even better one in the next life. So we are thankful. And we repent of our ungrateful ways. Amen.